Welcome to Carla's Coffee House, everyone out there in HGB Canada land. Thank you so much for joining me tonight because I have a very good friend and special guest on tonight, Terry Ferris. Terry and I did a lot of shows uh, when I was living in New Brunswick and we had a darn good time doing it. So we're going to give you some of Terry's music first, then we're going to give Terry a call. Him and I are actually going to FaceTime this and hope we get good sound because we're going to do, get him to do a couple of his songs live off the floor and hopefully the internet connections are all good on both ends and we don't get any warbling or whistling sounds that sometimes happens with uh, live over the uh, Wi-Fi network. Alrighty, so we're going to give you the first one up. This song is, of course, Terry's. He wrote it himself. What a big boy. And it's called Raised on Country Music. So here you go. Give it a listen and we'll be right back. Well, I grew up on country music. It's part of me today. In the back of mama's old red car, I'd listen while she played. Those songs from the opera house so many miles away. I can still hear him ringing out like it was yesterday. There were legends like Hank and George, and of course there was Merle. And the queens from the opera house that would give your heart a whirl. Singing songs that would break your heart and bring it to your knees. There the legends coming straight to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, how I remember. Legends of the day They were part of my childhood From many miles away Singing Oki from Muskogee He stopped loving her today I was raised on country music From many miles away As the years went by And I grew up and I learned to play guitar I remember songs that I'd heard In the back of mama's car Was playing songs from George and Merle on his old town. Oh, how I remember the legends of the day. They were part of my childhood from many miles away. Say it okay from Muskogee, he stopped loving her today. I was raised on country music from many miles away. And 
we're back and we have Terry Ferris on the line with us here. And Terry, um, there's pretty famous person singing in behind you on that track, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there is. There's a couple of, I guess, local famous people, I guess, out of uh, New Brunswick area here. I was very lucky to have um, uh, Miss Joan Kennedy do some harmony for me uh, on that song. And also, uh, along with uh, Joan, was uh, a lady who plays with her a lot today uh, from the Boston area, Miss uh, Melissa Presida. Uh They still have their duet going that they uh, do a lot of shows down in the... Uh, Portland and Bangor area in Maine, and then of course uh, uh, New Brunswick will remember uh, Shanklin Road. Also, the third voice in there was uh, Miss Don Ellis from Shanklin Road. Yeah, Don. Don said some. Uh, well, both of you, both you and Don, have uh, hit the charts on HGB uh, a few times. Yeah, I seen that on there. I really appreciate you guys uh, playing our stuff on there. It's great to see. One, one great thing about these charts that I do like, um, the stats give it all to me. And it's really, it's it's not based on music sales and things you'll see on, on Billboard. Um, it's based on listener response. If they like it, they'll stick around and listen to it. And uh, that's how it's decided. So I just get it into rotation, and you guys win your fans. Well, that's a great way of doing it. I like it, I like it that way versus... Uh, um the mainstream music today it's like it's got to yeah, have a certain look and a certain sound and be with whoever it's uh a, a big a big artist label or something and uh it's nice to see people still making it doing other things absolutely one of the things that um that's really blown me away is and I'm, and i know other um, musicians yourself myself we liked the you know the standard sound of country that made it country and uh, one of the really cool things that um, I've discovered since doing HGB Canada was that country music's still alive and well, but it's underground. So that's what I'm hoping to do is bring acts like you and uh, Luke Hendrickson, who was, you know, I was promoting last night, uh, to the forefront so that people can buy their music and enjoy it. You know, those people who are mourning the fact that uh, country isn't what it used to be in the mainstream, for sure. Well, it's one of those things that uh, we say that, that, but then we go and do shows. Like I do a lot of shows, as you know, Carla, and things that, around the area, and it's so nice to see the young ones come out and play. Uh, I've been following probably a half a dozen of them around that I've had on my shows and stuff that I do in the area, and it's so refreshing to see them come out and do not the new country, but do a lot of old country that we all grew up on, which is so nice to see, too. So I think that... Uh, traditional country music will always be there. It'll never die away. There'll always be someone there, whether they're younger or older, to uh, push it forward. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I've seen some of those young people that have come out, and they're absolutely amazing. And they really love the music, and that's that's encouraging. So speaking of music, this track that we played, Raised on Country Music, do you want to tell us a little bit... Um, on the story behind writing that song that song was it wasn't my first attempt at writing but i'd say i was second or third i guess um it was just something that i was fooling around in the basement one night and just had this idea about trying to write a song raised on country music and i had just gotten back from nashville and um it gave me some ideas about wsm and all these things and i kept thinking of all these things and Actually, the song came together fairly quickly. I started started writing it and thinking about what I had gone through back uh, when I was younger and uh, listening to Mom big uh, and playing music before she had us kids and everything. And uh, uh, she played a lot of talent shows and things like that. So I kind of seen music through her eyes. And uh, then, of course, by going down to Nashville and seeing things down there, there's some of the stuff that I picked up from there that... Uh, uh, I, I wanted to put into the song as well. So, and uh, and you recorded this uh, album in New Brunswick, is that correct? Yes, I did. I did it at uh, a friend of mine's place. We I was thinking about doing a, an album for a little while, and uh, I got introduced to uh, uh, Jeff. Jeff and uh, he uh, he has a place called uh, Squeakbox Studios in Hampton, and um, he does a great job. And actually. A lot of the uh, music that was on the album, 
there was very few outside artists. Uh, myself and Jeff did uh, a good majority of this up. I had Phil Kennedy come in and do a couple of uh, guitar tracks on it, but other than that, we uh, kind of kept it all in-house with us. It's a, it's a great track, and now... I know that you're you you've been busy on the road. You have a day job, and you you you're traveling all over the country. Um, but we're coming into music season and slow down of your day job. So, what do you have planned, Terry? <laughs> um, well, it seems to be filling up fairly quickly. Um, let me just try to think here. What's in the next short period of time? Um, the first one, I guess, coming right up would be we're doing a. Our first acoustic uh, gospel country show up in the little town of Stanley at the uh, Catholic Church there on the 5th of May. Um, it's something that uh, we, well, you know, you had done uh, some acoustic shows with us. You and me and Irene and a few others did the acoustic shows. Well, we've kind of expanded on that and are doing a, a country gospel version of it up in um, Stanley at the church on the 5th of May. So that's the first one that we're doing. And then I'm going to be doing another one just like that on the 26th of May uh, at the Milkove Church, which is a church that's near and dear to my heart for as a fundraiser. As you know, fundraiser seems to be the, the one thing that I always uh, love to do. So those are a couple of the acoustic events that I've got coming up. Uh, and then I am playing on the 24th of May here in uh, my home community of Hanwell. They've built a brand new facility here and... Uh, uh, me and the band are going to be playing there for the grand opening of that, and we're hoping that will bring greater things with shows in the Hanwell area as well. Uh, and then I've got two or three more in the summer in the Cambridge Narrows area. And, of course, we're planning our ninth annual TNT Classic Country Show in uh, Cambridge Narrows as well. So it, it is filling up for you pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and I just got a couple. While we've been talking, I got another text here about a show and another event. So, yeah, it's starting to fill up. So, <laughs> Well, I know that you're known for doing shows and doing good work in the community. And I know the community does appreciate that, uh, given of your time and your talent. Because a lot goes into what you do. You have to practice. You have to organize people and you have to organize these shows plan ahead and things don't always go as you would hope and uh tell us a little bit about some of the successes you've had that you go phew that worked out better than i thought and maybe give us one that uh, uh you thought was going to turn out pretty well and was a disappointment um really each one of them has their own take on their own persona really um I've looked at them, to give you a kind of a broad idea, I've been involved with ones that have made $400 to ones that have made $30,000. Um, a lot of them, the biggest thing that you never seem to know each night is, uh, if it's a benefit, a lot of people can show up that want to play that night that you may not have on the schedule or know whether you can even play their songs or, or what it may be. So... Uh, I find that kind of the, the hardest part at times is trying to figure out how can we do this in a timely fashion and make that person sound the very best that they can when they get up on stage. I know all the, the guys that come and join me on stage to play. That's the one thing that um, I do have to give a big shout out to a lot of musicians in the Grand Lake area. Every time that I ask them to come and help me with anything, uh, I may plan it, but without them, uh, there wouldn't be any show because they come along and give me their valuable time on whether it's a lead guitar player, whether it's a uh, bass player, a drummer, a piano fiddle player, whatever it may be, they show up. And not only them, the people that come and work the doors and uh, uh, take the money and sell the 50-50 tickets. Like, I can organize it all, but without them uh, helping out, it's uh, it makes it really hard. For a... Uh, a success, um, I know we did one for a, a gentleman that uh, one time was um, <clears throat> had cancer, and uh, we did it at the local high school, and it was the longest one I ever done. The show started at 7. We had so many artists that night that wanted to play, that really loved this gentleman, and uh, it was after 11 o'clock when the last artist got off the stage, and... We didn't know how that one was going to show up, how it was actually going to play out, because we didn't really have a bunch of people booked for it. 
we just had the band booked. I had um, a five-piece band booked to help me play. And at the end of the night, uh, it was close to $30,000 that we raised. And I had heard that after that, there was another 10 or 15 that came in and donations afterwards. Um, and no one left. The whole night, it was at 11 o'clock, they were still sitting in those chairs. So Wow, that, that's uh, unusual. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because as you all know, those chairs in a schoolhouse or in a, a Lions Club or whatever, they're not padded. They get a little bit hard <laughs> on the chair. They certainly do. I know I, know I had some fun with you when, when we were playing, and I think I was one of those characters that uh, – you just never knew what I was going to pull on stage. And you'd always have that little bit of a worried look. <laughs> never, me, never worried. <laughs> What's she going to say? <laughs> What's she going to say? What's she going to do? I have a few of those. You're not the only one. There's a few that come up. Um, we have an awful lot of fun with, I mentioned earlier, uh, Joan had played on our uh, my CD there. And I've done a little bit of music with her off and on. And, um, her mom, I've done a fair bit of music with her mom, um, and she's one that I get a kick out of. You never know what she's going to say. She's, always, she's fun. She is so yeah, much fun. Yeah, we always say, make sure this is a, uh, a clean show. This is a, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> right? so, yeah, Alice. G-rated is what Joan always said. G-rated it had to be. <laughs> so, Terry, do you get your guitar with you right now? I'm sitting up here with a couple of them, yeah. All right. Which one are you going to pick to play tonight? Um, you want me to do a one that I wrote, um, we had talked about, uh, the one that I wrote for my dad after he had passed away. Yes. So I think we'll, uh, we'll do that one. It's one that I start, I seem to do it more and more live these days and, um, it has a lot of meaning. So I hope everyone will like it. Take it away. Awesome. I absolutely love that song and I like it when you sing it uh, um, at the at the shows that, that we used to do. Now, <laughs> you must be having your hands full if you're working with Irene. Oh, yeah. We're having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, she does a yeah. lot of good work too. Now, when you yeah. said band, 
um, that you're going to be playing in Hanwell. Um, who's your band? Uh, the band in Hanwell this time uh, is going to be uh, Tim Wallace on drums and uh, Sammy O'Coins will be playing steel guitar. Uh, Eddie Burton will be playing uh, bass. And usually uh, Rich Lamp plays lead guitar with me. Um, and uh, he's tied up that night. So we're going to have uh, Mr. Lee Howe join us that night and play lead. So oh. Lee does a great well. So. What time does that event start and how do people get there? That's at 6 p.m. I believe it starts. And it goes to about 8.30. Then they're having fireworks afterwards. And it's the brand new municipal building in Hanwell, um, it's, uh, right across from Eaglewood, I guess, is the best way to put it on Hamwell Road. So go out past the, uh, the Shell Station about maybe three or four minutes and we'll be there in the brand new building. They'll have a bunch of stuff around it for, uh, the grand opening of the building. That sounds like a really good time. And what's the date for that one, Terry? That is the 24th of, uh, May. That one is going to be a Friday night. Ah, uh, I won't be there. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm scheming. Coming uh, here in April, and I'm actually playing. That reminds you. That's what, I guess that is my first one because I couldn't come down to where you're playing because I'm playing in uh, Sussex that night. Exactly on the big yeah. uh, Crime Stoppers show. Yeah, the Crime Stoppers show is at the theater in Sussex that night. So you got quite a. You are you still organizing that one too? Yes. Uh, well, I'm one of the. I kind of help put the producer show, put it together, but uh, there's a group of them over there that invite all the guests that go on it, and I usually get to add one or two guests to it type thing, but uh, uh, it's pr mainly produced by uh, another group of people at Crime Stoppers. I was just MC, and this year I'm actually going to be playing in the bands uh, as well instead of just MCing, so. Oh, well, that'll be fun. And who is that character there played by Charlotte Phillips? Oh, um, Charlotte does... <laughs> Is it Lily? I think it's Lily. Well, there's Eunice P. Doolittle, <laughs> which is down there, the old girl that comes out. She always usually chases someone across the stage and then talks all about everything going on. And I think it's her, Eunice calls her her dumb sister Lily or something <laughs> like that, if I remember, right? I know Eunice is going to be there. I'm not so sure about Lily, but I wouldn't be surprised if Lily is going to show up too. So it's usually a lot of fun. Yeah, that is a good time, and it's well-organized, and usually you get a really good crowd out. Everybody is so sick of winter this year. It's like Canada decided, hmm, let's start in October and end in June. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We did a benefit back, um, I'd say about a month ago now, and we were very uh, shocked at how many came out that day, and I think it was just uh, one of those things that, I think everybody was so sick and tired of being inside that they just wanted to come out. And so we didn't put a lot of, uh, like, a band or anything together. We just did an acoustic afternoon, and it was really good. We had a lot of fun, and everybody was really glad to get out and raise some money for a good cause. So. Absolutely. Now, you have another song that we talked about that you that's very popular in your shows, and you do it amazingly well. It's, it's a Terry thing that you do with uh somebody else's song but you really carry it well and uh that's troubadour is that right yeah it's one of those ones that was kind of i haven't been doing it as much lately but um it was one of those things that uh, a good friend of mine from dc she was she was down her and her husband and we went out with them one night camping and um of course they wanted me to bring the guitar and i and i played a few songs that night and it was just one of those ones that she she instantly took to and i never thought of playing it or anything so then when we went into the studio her birthday was coming up it was around the same time so i said i said let's just record this and um i'll just give it to her as a as a birthday gift type thing and we didn't put a lot of effort into it or anything it was just me and the guitar and and then we got thinking about it afterwards um i went away for a week or so and came back and Jeff had said, "Here, have a listen. I did this." So he he put um, he put a bass track to it and a couple of other things, and um, and we thought, "Geez, you know, we might have something here." And uh, so, I guess a long story short, it ended up making the CD as one of the cover ones, and I put it out on my um, on my original, just a little teaser two song CD. I put it on the. I guess in the old days, they'd say the backside of the, <laughs> of the put it on there with uh, 
wonder what they're thinking about tonight as uh, as the backside of it, and um, it's kind of taken off and done very well for me on uh, requests for shows and stuff. Perfect. Well, let's give it a whirl here and see what it sounds like. See if I can remember it. I haven't played it in a while. Oh, well, here's a test. <laughs> here's the test. You know, good in my memory. I am old. It's the first thing to go now, right? <laughs> like you remembered it just fine. Hey, that's good. That's good. I just wanted to let the viewers know or the listeners know actually that um, there was a, a couple with the internet. We do have sometimes what we call hiccups. And I noticed the internet um, lately has been doing this speed up, slow down thing. And it's not Terry's plan. I can guarantee you he knows what he's doing. So if you do hear a little bit of uh, interruption in that, it's just the bandwidth trying to catch up on the internet. And we've been having rain, snow, and winds. And it sometimes affects uh, the infrastructure in our communities. So I don't know. I don't know. I think the internet's a lot better in a lot of countries, better than what we got sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it can be really interesting. I know since we've been talking here, uh, like, you've frozen two or three times on here. Well, see, there you go. So I've had frozen face for Terry to look at, and that's really fun. But uh, I know that these, um, it's very expensive to make an album, and I know a lot of young people, um, well, actually now, I was talking to Molly Johnson, and Molly actually told me something very interesting. She said in Toronto, in her shows, CDs don't even sell anymore. People don't even have anything like, you know, you just, you don't have them anymore. They're just obsolete. Um, a lot of artists are still putting money into CDs and whatnot. But uh, what do you, where do you think this is going to go, Terry, really? I mean, for the indie artists, especially like us, um, how are we going to get our music out there? Because it's ridiculous to think we could even, you know, make a dime off of uh, streaming services. Well, I think that's, as much as I hate to say it, that's where it's going is the streaming service because 
Um, like I know, like I still sell the odd CD and stuff, but it's uh, I the amount of people that have asked me. Uh, where can I buy it online? Can I buy it on iTunes or whatever? And it's funny, one of my friends, uh, he said to me, he said, I'd buy a CD, but he said, I don't even have a, a CD player in my truck anymore. So it's kind of, it's, it's one of those things that seems to be a little bit of a dying dying breed, but we're uh, a creature of habit that we love to have that thing in our hand to try to sell someone instead of a, here's a password or uh, something like this that's online. But I really think that that's the next step where we need to go. I know um it's one of my projects this year is to uh uh get a website up and going and get it so that uh people can go on there and start buying uh uh my music on there and as well follow things on there and do more more things on a website so i'm hoping to have something here um probably the second half of the year because uh it's it's one of my things that I really wanted to do this year, not just for myself and my music, but for our shows that we do and things too, another way of uh, promoting them and stuff. I know we do, we do a little bit of Twitter, we do a little bit of Instagram, majority is on Facebook that we do and posters that we do right now. Yeah, that's, that's always a challenge too, is like you can, you can use social media, but um, it's, it's time consuming. And when you've got so many other things to do, and if you don't have, you know, the hired team to help you out, it can be very problematic to get the word out to the right people that want to come see the show. Um, usually, I know I've always had that problem when I lived in New Brunswick and when I was in Ontario and I come home to play a show, I'd leave, you know, I'd be done the show and then people would say, I didn't even know you were here. And I'm yeah. like, well... <laughs> I did everything I could to let you know, but it's just, we're bombarded with so much information. Now, Terry, I got to ask you, have you ever thought about putting out a vinyl? No, I have. But, um, um, I have started writing a little bit again and, um, I have a relative now that's sending me some songs that he's writing and, uh, uh, I've been listening to a few of those and I'm hoping that we can get together to maybe finish up something there sometime. And I would, I would like to get back in and I don't know whether I would uh, release a CD again, but I might just release some singles out of, uh, especially where everything seems to be going on street. So, um, I'm thinking that's probably the route that I'm going to go. Um, the first thing that I want to do is I've, I've probably got a little over half. I'm a little over half done on a Christmas song. I want to have a Christmas song. That's been my goal an original Christmas song with, uh, for our next Christmas show that we do. I'm hoping to have that ready. Now, are you going to go back and record uh, in the same place you did before, or do you have different plans, different sound? What What's what's your vision? This one, I'll probably go back the exact same that uh, I did before. Uh, Jeff and I seem to have uh, worked out what we want and what we like and a sound. And, um, it was really funny. We went in there, and we did things traditionally the way that he'd done them, with other artists in the past, um, and then we found out that that just didn't work with me, so um, we ended up kind of redoing everything on the next two or three visits there, the way that we did it, and uh, it seemed to work out better, so we kind of have the formula down of what we want to do. Um, I do one day hope to go down. I've made a contact in, uh, in Nashville that I would like to go down and record a couple of songs down there. It would be a totally different experience how I would do that, but uh, that's something that's on the bucket list for the future, but uh, won't be won't be real soon here, that's for sure. <coughs> oh, gee whiz, I just about choked. <laughs> Hold on. <coughs> I must have been shocked that you was going to go to Nashville or something, as if. But I wanted to say this, too, because if anybody listens to this radio station, they're going to see a couple of Ferris boys on here, you, and then there's this other guy named Dwayne. Now, yes. you're related, aren't you? Yes, but don't tell everybody, but now you just did. <laughs> yeah, no, Dwayne and I are cousins, so. So uh, the, the, the music runs in the family. He does a lot more music than I do right these days, but, uh, so he, he's retired, he's able to put a lot more effort into it. Um, and, uh, stuff, but he does a great job. He does a lot of his own writing and everything. So a good portion of his stuff is acoustic shows and, um, his own songs and things like that. And, um, that's great. I, like I put the CD up, but I really didn't go out and put a, 
push on it to do anything with it. So I may do a re-release here one of these days, a couple of songs on it. Re-release it or something. When I get a little bit more time, the day job seems to take up a good portion of my time. The one that pays all the bills. And uh, unfortunately, that's the way it works. I'm I'm feeling you on that. But your your whole family um, is musical because Joan, um, she's she's a, a cousin of yours as well. Is that right? I'd be distant. We'd be uh, distant cousins type thing. Like uh, I know her mom was related to the Ferris side and stuff there, but. There's a lot on that uh, that side. Like I know, there's. Uh, I went to the uh, family reunion. Ferris and Moss is who I'm related to, and they. There was two or three that uh, showed up there that I didn't even know played that played a fair bit that day at the reunion, and so. So and a couple of them have gone out and done some shows around the Fredericton area here. So um, it's amazing who you find and. Us Ferris's and Mosses, we're related to everybody anyway, it seems. So That's that's the story in New Brunswick. <laughs> you, yeah. you have to leave to find a mate. And you did, too. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so, well, I've lived across the country. I left uh, Atlantic Canada and moved to Vancouver. And I was out there for, I think, pretty 10 years. And then I moved to Toronto. Uh, and I was there for a little over five, I think it was. And that's where I met my lovely wife. With Trish, that uh, um, and she immigrated to Toronto from England. So she doesn't have the accent or anything anymore. But uh, but uh, her roots are British. So and then I brought her all the way down here to in uh, New Brunswick, where she's away from uh, no streetcars or subways or everything. And I got her. <laughs> Woods almost it feels like I guess to her. So. <laughs> Trish is a sweetheart. We. Um, if you ever go to one of Terry's shows, Trish is there supporting. She's the beautiful, wonderful face you see when you walk through the door to greet you. And uh, she's just she's just a wonderful person. And I got a chance to get to know her a little bit. And how's Elvis? Was it Elvi or Elvis? Elvis, the little shih tzu dog. Yeah, he's in a lot of pictures and stuff. So <laughs> he doesn't sing or anything, but he's security. Yeah, oh, I guess he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was scared of him. I didn't know, like, if he liked me or not. But apparently, I was okay. You were all right. Yeah, I remember. Was it you and Jocelyn came? And then I remember one time, Jolene came up here too, and she was pregnant with Carter. And I was nervous because he's got a little bit of a mean side to him. But he crawled up on her because she was still pregnant at the time, and he kind of guarded her for the whole night that we were practicing. So <laughs> uh, worked out really well. But. <laughs> I'm playing with them uh, June the 8th, I think it is. We're doing our annual uh, Hollywood uh, Hollywood Star Room show that we do every year. So Jocelyn uh, McNeil and Jolene Hall and I, and usually whoever else shows up that sings and plays, gets up and plays that night. So we always have a good time. That is, and the Hollywood Star Room is such a nice place. It's actually my home away from home. Actually, it is my home because I actually moved in with David and James. <laughs> So, <laughs> I said, they gave me a room. I couldn't say no. <laughs> no. Hey, it's a great spot. Um, yeah, like we, I've, I think this is our fifth year going now. You played with us one year down there that we did it, I remember. Yeah. And um, I'd say this, I think this is our fifth year doing it. We do one show down there a year. So. Well, uh, it's good to know you guys are still doing that because um, I love, I love the variety when it's you and Jolene and uh, Jaws, because Jocelyn has this incredible, what is it, uh, portfolio of music in her head that she can just pull out at any time, and she's, yeah. all the words, she remembers. <laughs> she can't remember where she's going, <laughs> but she remembers but the words to the song. <laughs> it's a McNeil thing, right? It's a McNeil thing, yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, she, she usually pushes me outside my comfort zone a fair bit. Yes. So, um, uh, but uh, I enjoy it. That being said, I, I've been playing with some guys every year at our sales meeting down in, um, well, every year, you never know where it's going to be. This year it was in Florida, and the year before it was in Arizona and stuff. But we put together some guys to play, and they're rock. They're like Leonard Skinner and... It would be the closest thing that I would play, but they do a lot of, uh, like, Def Leppard and ACDC and stuff like this. And I even surprised myself. I was able to play along, so I surprised myself a little bit. But not the singing, but I could do the playing along. <laughs> and stuff, so. 
I said if it doesn't have uh, your truck breaking down and uh, cheating wife or uh, something like that or drinking in it, I usually don't sing it. I said that's usually the same way. I can't remember. Someone asked me about doing a gospel show one time, and I said, a true gospel show. I have to do a country gospel show. I said, I could never do a true gospel show, I don't think. so. Yeah, I remember you telling me that you were scared to do one in case the church burnt down while you were in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I don't do any songs unless they're... Um, they got cheating or something, then, or drinking. Or something. <laughs> cheating on Jesus. There's a yeah. there's a new one right there. <laughs> well, but hey, there's a good name for a song. I, I I I get all these all the time. Someone will say something, and my phone is right full of all these little one liners. I go, there's a one liner that I can write a song around that or something, just to give me some ideas. Because most of my songwriting that I do do comes in the truck while I'm driving, because I drive for work, like to get from one city to the next uh, for. Uh, to do my meetings and stuff and it's just a lot of time in the truck so you can uh, find a lot of things and there's roadsides or something that happened that day that I just put it in the uh, phone that's a that's a good way to do it and I agree with you for some reason I always get inspired behind the wheel so I'm always hitting audio you know record hit that record that and uh, so you'll have it later on now speaking of songwriting how yep. much time do you actually have now to songwrite? Like, I know you're so busy throughout the winter traveling. And like you said, the song ideas come. But how much time do you actually give yourself so that you can sit down and develop a song idea? I really don't have a method behind it. I kind of take, I've been taking the guitar with me when I'm in the hotels at night and sometimes on the boat. The last trip to Newfoundland, I finished writing a song on the, on the boat to Newfoundland. I remember... I was fooling around with it and going, all of a sudden I heard this, are you almost done on the wall? <laughs> it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, right? I'm in the, I'm in the room and uh, trying to finish this song. and I wanted to holler back, yeah, I'm almost done. But, <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, I don't devote any certain time. It's, um, it's just when I do get time to do it, or, or the urge hits me to kind of do it. So yeah. I've got three or four in the can now that's, that's, I don't know, as you know, as being a songwriter, they're done, but are they really done? Not until you go back in there. They don't get really done until you go in the studio and you finally say, yeah, that's it. At the end, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, um, this here, too, I wanted to ask you as a songwriter. Because when I started writing songs, really, it was out of um, utility more than anything. um, Because... I ended up, I was a poet to begin with. I wrote poetry. I wrote short stories. I was a writer. I did it for years as a journalist. And, you know, once I picked up a guitar in my hand, suddenly people started asking me, do you write your own songs? And basically, no, I didn't. But then that challenged me. And I said, well, let's see what I can do. And I think I was uh 15 or 16 no it must have been yeah around 16 um when i wrote my first one and i took it to a an outdoor party you know drinking party there in new brunswick where all the dudes and the girls are at and it went over really well and i think it's because everybody was loaded drunk so i was pretty happy with that (laughs) but what what got you into songwriting what what made you even want to do it well i I guess the same kind of thing that you were saying is that I've been asked different times, like, do you have your own and things like this? And, and it's the same thing with the CD. Everybody said, do you have your own CD? And I said, nah. And I didn't really want to go down that road because you seem to go through the stages. Like back in the 80s, I had the band and we did the dance music and we did mm-hmm. did the band and everything that went on with having a band. And then <coughs> I took a hiatus for about, almost 15 years where I didn't pick up a guitar and do anything. I just walked away from music and uh, didn't do anything. And then I moved back to New Brunswick and kind of what got me going was uh, we were having an 80th birthday party for my dad and he said, you got to get up and play. So that one night I got up and played. Actually, I think I played two nights before that somewhere else that we went to a jam and I just took dad as his driver and I got up and played and the rest is kind of history. The bug hit me again the way I went. Um, I still don't do dances and stuff today. I try to stay away from that side of it and the band stuff. But it just exploded onto other things like 
writing. I always had ideas in my head, but I never thought that I could put them into a song. Um, the biggest thing that I still find today is the words seem to come okay. For me, it's writing the music. Yeah. That is always the uh, the part that I'm trying trying to get better at because you'll find something and you'll go, oh, crap, that's a tune from another song or um, it sounds too much like maybe another one that you did. So um, I find that's the most challenging part for me. Now, Terry, have you ever... Um... I know, once again, this is going to come down to your personal time and you, you need yeah. family time and whatnot, but have you ever had that experience of going to a songwriter's circle, which actually is a songwriter's circle? I know some of them say they are, but it's just a bunch of people like hanging out and jamming. Um, but have you ever gone to those types of workshops at all? No, I never have. Um, the closest thing I ever have is I, I've asked two or three songwriters for some advice and... Um, I'll never forget Dave McNeil said to me, he said he's read every book, he's done all these things, and he said, um, there's no real rhyme or reason to writing. He said, do what you think is right. So, um, because I kept thinking, okay, there's got to be a, a, a structure and a way to do this. And um, so I really don't have a structure. There's been times, um, like the song Life that I wrote, Outside Looking In, that was just a stupid little thing, hashtag that come in my head, and then I got a medley that night that I thought, oh, this would go with that. And that was when I was in the hotel room one night. And over three or four nights in a hotel room of a week, I wrote that song. And I thought, this is the craziest, stupidest song I've ever, I feel that I've ever written. And then we put it down on in the CD. And it was like, hey, this this isn't too bad. Uh, Trish calls it my sitcom song all the time. It's like a sitcom uh, theme song. But... Uh, <laughs> but it was just something that like that kind of taught me that you never know what you're going to get for a song or where it's going to come from and i think on your show it was the one that made it to number six right so people identify that's right yeah and and that i, I remember you and i having a conversation one time when you were getting ready to to well i think you were actually in the studio at the time and you know, we were we were talking about exp trying to challenge ourselves as you know in our craft of songwriting and whatnot, and that song in particular you were proud of because it was a reach into more um, I guess newer type style country, and you didn't think that you were capable of writing a song like that, but it came off amazingly. Yeah, it was one that it was. On this CD, everything's pretty much fairly traditional. Like, as you know, I'm a big Haggard fan, and of course, that brings along the Willie Nelsons, the Waylon Jennings, the, that kind of uh, genre of music. And um, this here was a little bit outside that box, the way that it kind of came across. It's the same thing as uh, my dad's uh, song that I that I wrote. Uh, Wonder what they're talking about tonight. The first time I wrote it, it was like a country song, and then the next thing I know, it's like heading down a gospel route that I just never like a gospel bluegrass route that I just never ever dreamt that it would and on the CD it is done almost like a bluegrass because uh, I have my cousin in there playing dobro on it so it, uh, it's it's funny how some songs can take on a life of their own once you get to the studio that might change from what you you and your guitar or you and your piano whatever it may be uh, first thought of the song right that's so true and you know, I, I got some advice from J.P. Cormier when I recorded with him, and uh, he, he did my album, as you know. And one of the things that stuck out to me forever, and I don't think it'll ever go away, was he said, let the song speak for itself. Because he said, production can change any song into anything that you want it to be. You know, because there isn't any formula. Well, there there is for one. That's pop music, but... Um, you know, the A, B, C, D kind of thing. But typically, there's no real formula for songwriting, like Dave McNeil had told you. And the song needs to speak for itself. And I know some of my stuff, um, unless I write with a beat in my head, I mean, you could turn it into anything you want when you get to the studio. Do you find that's the same with you? Pretty much, yeah. Like I, I look at it and... Um the only thing that I find at times is that you'll remember, like, if you started with some sort of a melody um, and you're trying to change that melody, 
it's something hard to change it because you remember it as this is the way that it started. And I found that with, um, I say it's dad's song, but I um, uh, wonder what they're talking about tonight. Because when I first started that, I started that totally with a different melody. So what I ended up doing was almost like a rewrite. I ended up changing just a few words just to change it around um, so that it would stick in my head the new way versus the old way. So um, for me, uh, once I start on something and down a road, it's really hard for me to, to take that and change it completely without making a few changes to it. That's so true. And I, I get stuck the same way. It's, uh, and I guess that's why I procrastinate when it comes to songwriting. I have got all these pieces of everything, music, you know, for that song that I might write. <laughs> and I've got that, you know, half written lyrics. And it's like, oh, I said what I want to say. There's nothing more to say. And it's only like four or five lines. I was like, well, that was a nice poem. <laughs> it's really difficult. And, um, I don't think a lot of, a lot of, some people like it just inspirational. They say it just comes down out of heaven right into them. And I'm like, that's great. I've had that experience, but sometimes you have that awesomeness that you just want to write a song. You feel like you want to, and you have to work for it a little bit. And one of the things I found that was extremely helpful, um, was it, this sounds kind of stupid, but it worked for me for a while, especially when I wanted to get, tighter at what I was doing I looked at it like I was writing a university paper and what I do is I'd write the rough copy first get the idea down and then I'd go back and I'd edit and edit and edit until I got it the way that I wanted now these songs aren't even out on CD or anything yet I haven't even recorded them but I found that it was a process that actually helped me now do you do a lot of editing because I noticed you said that you changed the music and it was really hard to swing over into different tunage after that first inspirational tune came through. Yeah, I do. Like I, I, I tried it two different ways. I started out just writing it in a notebook, and then I tried to do it on my computer. I had put a program in there, a songwriter's program, that it'll give you a few words and stuff if you're trying to find rhymes and things. That didn't work for me at all, so I went back to the notebook, um, and... Uh, Usually, it's on the same song is on about four pages. It's never just just the one page or one piece of paper. It's it takes a while, and I end up uh, end up changing and scratching. And uh, I'd hate for someone else to try to have to follow it on a show some night. It would be brutal. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, I end up doing a lot of changes to it as as the time goes on. Yeah, because I kind of sense you're a little bit of a perfectionist, right? Uh, yeah, within my own mind, I think I'm doing a perfectionist, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I've always said, like, I have the same feeling with my shows. I always try to look at each show and go, okay, what can I do better next time? Like, that might have been really good, but I always learned that you you can always do better. Yeah. So, same as my CD and my songs and things like that. I always feel that the last one, it's only good for the moment. Uh, the next one's got to be much better. Absolutely agree with you there because I feel the same way. There's always room for improvement. And Terry, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule because you've got to go somewhere tomorrow or you just got back or what happened there? I'm home. I just got back, but I'm home tomorrow and then I leave again on uh, Tuesday for Halifax for a couple of days. So there you go, folks. That's a busy guy and he's getting her done anyway. So thank you so much for joining me tonight, Terry. Thanks for the invite. Great to see you again, Carla. You too. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to get that music for themselves? Uh, the only way I have right now, they can reach me at uh, on my Facebook page, Terry Ferris Music, or TNT Classic Country Shows on Facebook. The pages are on there. Uh, or they can email me at uh, FerrisTerry at me.com. All right. Well, Terry, you take care, and I hope uh, maybe we'll get a chance to at least shake hands and have a coffee on the way through when I'm home this spring. Yeah, that'd be great if you're around. Like I say, I'm I'm in Sussex tonight that you're in the Hollywood Star Room, but uh, we may cross paths somewhere along the way. Well, hopefully we will. If not, I'll be home in August anyway, so (laughs) I'll get to see you then. There we go. All right. Thanks a lot, Terry. You have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Carla. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
And that was my friend and former colleague in the music. Well, we're still kind of colleagues, I guess. We just live further away from each other. Terry Ferris. And he lives in the Fredericton area of New Brunswick. He's a busy, busy guy. So I want to say thank you to everyone that's tuned in tonight. And Tuesday night, we're going to have the satellites here on the show. And uh, they're going to be playing live. We'll be playing some of their tracks and we're going to be talking to them. I'm very excited about them as well. I love what I do. And I want to tell you a few things just before we go to Terry's last song to take us out of the show tonight. This is always available on Anchor FM slash or backslash or whatever you call that little line that goes crooked and it's carla's dash country no wait coffee dash house and you can listen to that anytime the easiest way to get a hold of it is to go to hgbroadcasting.com we always got them listed on there for you so that if you miss some of the show you want to hear more uh we've got a whole bunch of artists on here this was our 29th episode in season one i feel like the trailer park boys now i i can actually count <laughs> so we're going to be having uh the satellites with us tuesday and uh really really happy about that i want to thank all the people that have sponsored the show big shout out to Teresa sprague and connie Sonye that sponsored uh, a month or so ago we still need your help come on by you can actually the easiest way to sponsor I just seen lightning. Okay, that freaked me out. And that's why it's so hot in this room. So come by on Anchor FM on Carla's Coffee House for 99 cents a month or, you know, as much as you want. You can um, you can support the coffee house. The coffee house is me and I'm HGB Canada. So I will definitely be sending shout outs to you over the air. I will put your name wherever you want it. But thank Oh my God, it's thunder and it's rumbling. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I haven't heard that since last year. This must mean summer's on its way. But thank you so much. And I hope you guys will actually sponsor me. A few cents. It's great. You're, you know, you're a patron of the arts, helping so many people by keeping HGB Canada on the air and freeing me up a little bit too so I can do a couple more things. All right, we're going to take it out tonight on uh, Terry's song, um, Outside Looking In. We were just talking about it here on the show. And uh, this is a jumpy little tune. I really like it. He thought it was goofy and it turned out to be a hit for him. You never know, never say never, and never doubt anything that, you, you know, that you're doing because you just don't know what's going to be successful, okay? All right, folks. We'll see you Tuesday night. Thanks so much for tuning in. And a big shout out to all my friends. And thank you for tuning in to Carla's Coffee House. Bye now. You know life can be a struggle from one day to the next. Seems a constant battle to try and get ahead. Like a never ending race or a plane that won't land. I always wanted more and more in the life that we have planned. I'm on the outside looking in, living day to day, pay to pay. On the outside looking in, where my life is always. Full-time job I know and how we will survive I'm on the 
Looking in.